What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Merry Christmas. We are back in action after the holiday season to review some NBA action, some fantasy basketball must-adds, some players that you can probably go ahead and drop and recapping all of the action on the Tuesday, the 26th in the NBA. Let's go! talking about G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. And today, like we said in the intro there, we are going to be recapping all of the games on Tuesday, the 26th of December in the NBA. But also, there's a lot of going on in the NBA, a lot of lineup changes, a lot of young players stepping up, and a lot of players that I think... Uh, we might need to move into that droppable zone. So a lot of must-add players, a lot of players that probably can be dropped as well. So we are going to get stuck into it. Just a disclaimer, I am recording this podcast uh, in the middle of or at the end of the final game, which is the um, the Clippers versus the Charlotte Hornets. That game has got about four minutes left to go at the time of recording. So anything that happens between or in that final quarter, I did not see it, but we will be able to check the news when we get to that game. This uh, podcast is normally coming out on a Wednesday night after the Wednesday games, but uh, just due to the holidays and things going on, I am doing it a day earlier than I normally would. And then as of next week in January, we'll be back to our regular schedule. And uh, this weekend we will be doing the pre uh, sort of week. What would we be up to? Week uh, eleven preview and back into to normality. But let's get stuck into today's games, starting with a uh, a big one. Except that is not the screen, as I people on. YouTube, you are a bit confused there. All right, let's bring up the screen. Okay, here we go. So we've got the first game, which is the Brooklyn Nets versus the Detroit Pistons. The Brooklyn Nets 
beat the Detroit Pistons, and the Detroit Pistons ha- now have officially the biggest uh, losing record streak in NBA history with 27 straight losses. And it looked like at one point they might have been able to get the victory in this one. Uh, a big performance by Cade Cunningham, but fell short. We'll get to the Pistons soon. But let's talk first about the Brooklyn Nets. They um, they got to a slowish start, and there were times where they looked pretty poor in this game. Um, a couple of their starters, not not the best games. Cam Johnson uh, had a good one. He, he was decent in this game, 24 points, only two rebounds and an assist, one steal, but hit four threes, did it efficiently, missed a couple of free throws, had no turnovers. He is someone that I think is underrated sometimes when it comes to fantasy. Definitely so in category leagues. He's probably not as good in points leagues, but he was pretty decent in this one. I still think he is someone that needs to be rostered everywhere uh, in a category league. He is probably a buy-low candidate still. Mikael Bridges, let's talk about him because he was going in the second rounds and I've harped on this one a lot and I think you guys get the picture now. He is going to be someone who's going to be a disappointment if you drafted him in the second round. Um, and he is a slight buy low at this stage, but not really. The biggest thing here that is unreasonable to expect to continue is the 9 of 15 from the free throw line, which does absolutely kill you. But he is normally pretty good from that area. So um, the 21 points, if he hits another three or four free throws, 24, 25 points, um, you know, with four rebounds, three assists, maybe he throws in a steal or a block in there every now and again. Uh, that's kind of what I expect from him moving forward. It's not super exciting. It's definitely not second-round material. It's probably in the 40s, I think, is where he's going to end up this season in terms of rankings at a minus one cent. So that's where I expect him to be. So if you're buying low, expecting him to be a top 30, top 25 player, I think you might be needing to reevaluate that one. Let's talk Cam Thomas because he only played 22 minutes in this one. And... Whilst he did it the four fouls, he was also kind of benched at the end of the game. They chose to go with, um, uh, was it Dorian Finney-Smith, I believe, ahead of him to close the game out. He had his 17 points. Uh, he wasn't super inefficient, but also, like he does most games, didn't do anything else except the score. One assist, one rebounds, no steals, no blocks, two turnovers. He didn't have a three in this game. It's not a very good fantasy line, or to be honest, at all, really. It's actually quite a bad one. Um, 18 fantasy points in this game, and... Whilst I don't think he's a drop yet, he is someone that we probably do need to monitor because I could foresee a scenario that, like, they beat the Pistons, but only just. It's not a re-endorsement of how well this team is going. They are kind of struggling a bit more than I think they would like to be. And with some of the players like Johnson um, and other guys who have missed a bit of time in the past... I think with those guys a bit healthier now, I do believe they might potentially either move Cam Thomas or Spencer Dinwiddie to the bench in favor for one of those bigger wing guys in O'Neal or Dorian Finney-Smith. I can definitely see that, let alone if Ben Simmons ever comes back, which might not happen at this stage. But I do think that Cam Thomas, and even in a bench role, he could be okay, but just monitor the situation. I don't think he's a drop, don't get me wrong, but I do think we do need to monitor what's going to happen here with Cam Thomas because I he has been trending downwards after a red-hot start the season. Um, and again, it's lines like this which just gives me the shits when it comes to Cam Thompson, and I think he is overrated, but still, obviously, I'm going to hold on to for now. Nick Claxton was uh, kind of outplayed a little bit by um, Dayron Sharp in this one, who, you know, they both had 11-11 in terms of points and rebounds. Very similar stat line, to be honest. Four blocks for Sharp, three blocks for um, Claxton. 26 minutes for uh, Claxton, 21 for Sharp. I don't think that's something we, you know, expect most nights. But it is interesting to see the fact that, you know, Nick Claxton has been a mild disappointment so far this season. I mean, the blocks have been there. 
but just not a lot of the other things that he might have been providing on the peripherals. But I think he'll be okay moving forward. I uh, just prefer to see him have a bit more of a tight grip on that starting dominant, like 30-plus a minute a night uh, role there. Horrible game here for Spencer Dinwiddie. 2 of 11 from the field. Missed three of his eight free throws. Um, nine, five, and six on the counting stats. Had a steal. But, yeah, just a pretty gross game for him. I think I would hold him. But he, especially in a category league, is not someone that, in a 10-team league, is in that must-hold category. There might be other guys out there you could do better with. Um, I don't think I'd be adding any of the guys off the bench. Sharp, Finney-Smith, O'Neal, Dennis Smith, who all played. I just think they're all kind of guys that are solid, but not not anything spectacular. More 16-team, 14-team league, maybe for Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, but for 12s and 10s, not something I'd worry about. Let's talk about the Detroit Pistons. Cade freaking Cunningham. I have always held firm in my belief in Cade Cunningham. I released my Dynasty rankings update for December and the final one for 2023. And Cade Cunningham still sits just inside my top 15, firmly inside the top 20 for Dynasty rankings. And it's games like this which make me feel like I'm not crazy and I still believe what I thought when he was drafted. 41 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. He was 15 of 21 from the field, absolutely ultra-efficient, 3 of 4 from 3, 80% from the line, a steal, a block, 3 turnovers for those keeping track. He was really, really good, and he had a huge, huge second half. In fact, I believe he might have had like 35 points of his 41 in the second half. I believe he also played the majority of the minutes in that second half as well. Finished with 36 in this game. Just a big, big game. Did everything he could to get the team to win, but fell short. The rest of this team is just shit, to be honest. I mean, I really love Jalen Duran. I, I love what he can do. 12 and 15 with four assists, a steal, and a block. Um, it's great to have him back out there. Jaden Ivey has been up and down. He was okay in this one. Five fouls might have been a limiting factor. He was... Uh, they, they opted to go with Alec Burks down the stretch here, and he took one of the weirdest you know, late, late game shots that... I don't know why you wouldn't try and get it to Cade Cunningham's hand, but, you know, sure, Alec Burks, go and try and chuck up a shot. Um, But I think he is probably more of a hold than someone like Isaiah Stewart, who's definitely more of a four-team kind of rebound specialist at this point. Um, I don't know. Again, I say he played 35 minutes, and I say that's terrible, but at the same time, who are you playing over him? I mean, if it was me, it'd be Asar Thompson, who only played the eight minutes. They are desperate trying to win. And when you are a rookie who can't really shoot and is a little bit turnover prone, as good as I think he is, in terms of winning basketball games right now, maybe you go with someone else. But I still, in terms of just the good of this future of the franchise, I'd still be playing Asar Thompson more than freaking 18 minutes. I mean, if you're playing Kevin Knox, 11 um, Marcus Sasser, James Wiseman, 12. Like, I don't know why more minutes can't go to uh, Asar Thompson in this situation. And uh, they clearly just need to switch up this roster. They need more shooting. Isaiah Stewart is not the answer at power forward. But they don't have that many options. So I don't know what they're going to do. They've lost 27 games in a row. So down the stretch of the season, I don't think we need to worry about tanking and resting guys because they've already done their tanking. They are, they're pretty safe at the top of the... Um, you know, the the draft picker tree there in terms of the lottery odds. Um, so I think this team is going to try and continue to win games. And at the moment, I think that means limiting Asar. So if you have Asar Thompson, I think he is a drop. 
I was trying to hold on for as long as I can. He was in a buy low show a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. Um, but I have now lost patience and faith that that will be returning or changing anytime soon. While this team is still losing as much as they are, just for the franchise, the fan base, and the team morale, they need to win games. And a lot of the time, that means leaning more on the vets and not letting your rookies play quite as much. So Asar is someone that we will check back in maybe in a month or so and see how things are going. So for now, I think he's a drop, but keep him on your watch list. Bogdan Bogdanovich played well as well. He had three threes, 23 points, three rebounds and two assists. No steals or blocks. Typical Bojan line. He is a fine player to have on your fantasy team. That's about it for the Detroit Pistons. Um, yeah, Wiseman played over Bagley, which is a choice. Um, Alec Burks played 25 minutes. He was a team worse, negative 25. Yeah, just, uh, I don't know. We don't want to spend too long talking about the Detroit Pistons. Let's move on. Go to the Orlando Magic versus the Washington Wizards. The, uh, the Wizards lost in this one to the Orlando Magic. And let's start by talking about the center rotation for the Orlando Magic because it is some wild shit. I don't know what to do with it. And in most cases, depending on your league and what's out there, I do think you probably, if you have Wendell Carter Jr., you might be able to go ahead and drop him. He had six points, four rebounds, two assists. He had a block. He had a three. But he played 21 minutes. And the weirdest thing, and look, fine, we've seen timeshares and three center rotations before, but just the way they go about it to me is really strange. Wendell Carter Jr. played like the first nine minutes of the game, eight or nine minutes of the game or something like that. Then they brought in... um, Mo Wagner, who who played like a normal reserve minutes. And then instead of Wendell Carter coming back in, which most of the time a starter would, they then went to Gogo Badatze to close out the first half. And they did the exact same thing in the third and fourth quarter. Well, in fact, Wendell Carter played the entire third quarter, all 12 minutes in a row. And then Mo played, you know, five or six minutes in the fourth. And then they closed the game with Gogo Badatze as the center. I don't really understand why, like... If you have a center playing the most amount of minutes in Wendell, he's the starter, but you're not wanting to close with him. I don't really get it. Like, something's got to give here, but I don't know what it's going to be, and I also don't know when it's going to happen. I do think eventually Wendell Carter gets himself to 27, 28 minutes a night, which is really back-end stuff and doable, but at the moment, he's not good enough to worth to be worth holding on to. So I think in most cases, in 12, 10 teams especially, you can drop Wendell Carter and go add some of these other guys with better short-term value, maybe some more long-term value, and just sort of keep an eye on him in the meantime. He's in my industry pickup team. Um, there's not too much on my waiver wire, so I might continue to hold him because I have the ability to stash him on my bench in a games cat format as well. But for most daily changes leagues where you're trying to use as many acquisitions as possible, I don't think I'd be holding on to Wendell Carter in 12s or 10s and maybe even 14s depending on what's on your waiver wire. Uh, Anthony Black probably had his best game as a as a pro. 23 points, 6 rebounds, 1 assist, 4 threes. He was efficient. He had 4 steals. He had 5 turnovers. I don't think I'm getting too excited. We've seen him play big minutes before and not be very fantasy relevant at this stage. It is someone that now, you know, rookies get better as they go along. And the more time Fultz misses, the less confident I am that he's going to come back in and just 
take this job away from him. He obviously was a high pick, Black was. Um, so maybe he just stays in there and faults as someone they bring in slowly off the bench for a little while. I'm not too sure. So I'm putting Black on my watch list. You can add him in maybe a 16 or 14 team league if there's really not much else better on the wire. But in 12s, I'm not worrying about it just yet. Uh, Franz Wagner had a good game, 28, 8, and 9. He was efficient as well. Missed two free throws, but that's okay. A steal and a block. Nice game. And Paolo kind of continued to do his thing with missed free throws. Uh, but 24, 3, and 8 with a steal and a block is, is pretty solid. Um, in terms of the bench, Cole Anthony, 22 minutes. As soon as Fultz does come back, I think Cole Anthony will become a drop. But for now, I still think you hold on to him uh, because he can do better than this. And this is at least serviceable back-end stuff in limited minutes. But when Fultz does come back, it will be complicated from there. The backup centers, I don't think you can trust. And I think I drop in basically all the centers on the Orlando Magic. For the Wizards, Jordan Poole. First of all, I just want to give a shout-out to Noah Rubin for sending the ultimate rocket over to Jordan Poole by dropping him in the industry pickup league because since then... He's uh he's turned it back around and he's starting to look really uh, decent. He's uh he's been good. He had thirty points, um, eleven of twenty from the field, six threes, still only two free throw attempts in this one. Hit both of them, three steals is good. And his steals have been solid this year. And encouragingly, thirty two minutes. If he was dropped in your league, I would one hundred percent go and add him. He is someone that. Obviously, I was wrong on having him as high as I did in the preseason, but this is more along the lines of what I potentially saw happening with the exception of the free throw volume is still lacking. If that was six of six from the free throw line and he had 34 points, then that would be exactly the kind of nights I would expect to see from him on a regular basis in the preseason. Now, I don't think the free throw rate is coming back to where I think it is, but he definitely is someone that can be a top 90, top 80 guy in a punt field goal percentage. He could potentially reach that top 60 value from this point forward if things have turned around and he is getting more of an opportunity, more shots. He had more field goal attempts than a Kyle Kuzma, um, which is encouraging. It is very encouraging and uh, and did that in three fewer minutes. Uh, speaking of Kyle Kuzma, 17, 4, and 6, he had a block as well, inefficient as he normally is from the field, 33%, but hit all three of his free throws, which is nice and lots of turnovers, but that is the Kyle Kuzma experience. And uh, 31 minutes for Gafford. Great, great game here. 13 and 13 with three assists, two steals, three blocks, ultra efficient as he normally is. Um, of course, he is a must-roster player across the, the board, hopefully. I uh, don't need to say that. Danny Avdia is one of those other players. He had three steals and a block in this one, but 23 minutes, kind of conceding minutes to Koulibaly, uh, Kispert. Delon Wright was back in this one, and I think Avdia is a guy that if there is something better in your waiver wire around, you can go ahead and drop him. Um, definitely in a 12-team and maybe even in a 14-team league as well. He's not normally a big steals and blocks guy in this one, so uh, 23 minutes. If that's going to be an ongoing thing, that's not going to cut it, and uh, you can move on from him. Tyus Jones is keeping it going. 22-6-6, six and six, a steal and a block, efficient. Great job. He's he's been really good recently, and um, you know I managed to grab him in a in a league off the waiver wire, and it's been really good ever since. So that is um, that's been really really nice. He might be a bit of a sell high at this stage, but with that said, um, the Wizards are, are have been more predictable of late, and and maybe this is the false hope that might make him a realistic sell high. If you can get someone who is, you know, top seventy, top. 65 value for a Tyus Jones, I think I would do it because this team, the Washington Wizards, are just not one that I want to rely upon when it comes to fantasy basketball playoffs. 
Chances are you're not going to be able to do that. So for the most part, I think you write it out. But uh, he's been much better as of late. Let's move on to the next game, the Minnesota Timberwolves. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply versus the Oklahoma City Thunder and the OKC Thunder. Get the W in this one. Um, let's start with the Timberwolves, as I am just bringing my notes up here. Where is this one? So uh, the OKC Thunder win this one. It was a bit of a blowout in the end. Um, talking about the Timberwolves, Anthony Edwards, 25-7-6. Good um, counting stats. The poor free throw shooting returned this one, but he has increased that by nearly 10% so far this season. So... I do think that that does improve. Uh, Mike Conley, the unsung hero, was again solid in this one. Five threes, two steals, 17 points, two rebounds, and four assists. No turnovers. Great game from him. And Carlton Towns didn't miss much time at all. He was back in this one, played 29 minutes, 16, 6, and 1. Had five turnovers, no defensive stats. So not the greatest game, but just good to have him back. And the fact that he didn't miss much time was uh, a positive for those who had him. Uh, Rudy Gobert had a bad game, 10 and 5. Um, no blocks, no steals. He was poor from the field. Um, we'll give him a pass here. Apparently he only plays good when he versus the big boys in industry pickup. That's... um. That's his time to shine. Uh, Jaden McDaniels is also a guy who is just disappointing when it comes to fantasy. I actually really like him as a, a real-life player, but 8-1-1, one, and one, a steal and a block in 27 minutes. He had the 5 foul, so, uh, and, and the game being a bit of a blowout, you'd expect his minutes to be a little bit higher, 30% from the field. He will be better than that, but um, probably not a must-have guy. Uh, is probably more of a needs-based uh, player in most scenarios. Um, and I don't think we have to worry about Kyle Anderson or Nas Reed or any of those guys coming off the bench for the Timberwolves. I just don't think that they're worth the headache for the most part with a lot of other guys putting their hands up to be ads. Uh, for the Thunder, Shea Gilles-Alexander had uh, another great game, although it was a poor game from the steals department. Only two in this game. Only two steals for Shea. He had a block, 34, 6, and 9. Efficient as always. Great from the free throw line. Missed all his threes, and uh, that's a pretty typical Shea line. Jalen Williams, 21-1 and three with two blocks, no steals. Um, solid. He, he has just been solid, I would say. Uh, Chet Holmgren, he's another guy that captured maybe the eyes of a few people um, when I put up my Dynasty rankings in the uh, the little, uh, little teaser. He was the number seven ranked player in my Dynasty rankings, and I fully stand by it. I think that he is someone that has first round value as soon as next season, and I just really, really rate him as an NBA talent. Uh, I had him number one in his draft class. His fantasy game is so friendly. He's scoring more than I expected in his rookie rookie year. He's shooting better from the free throw line and shooting a better three-point percentage and, and a higher volume of threes in his rookie year than I expected. 
and um, he's just as good of a rim protector as I expected. And he's just a really freaking good player and a cornerstone for this Thunder team for many years. So, um, yes, he is a top seven Dynasty League uh, guy, in my opinion. I've jumped him ahead of players like LaMelo Ball, Jason Tatum, uh, because his game is just a bit friendlier and he is younger than those guys. So, yeah, I I do stand by the fact that I think he's a top seven Dynasty asset. And... um, yeah, I don't know if you can really change my mind on that. Josh Giddy is showing some signs of life. 10 points, 2 rebounds, 7 assists. Nothing else. No steals, no blocks, no threes. 2 turnovers. He was efficient. Um, it's not exciting. He's kind of in that assist streaming kind of position at the moment. Not a must-have. Like if you were punting assists, for example, you don't need Josh Giddy. If your team is already good in assists, you don't need Josh Giddy. He's he's really one of those players that if your team is desperate for assists, you can have him on your team. He's back end. And I don't think it's getting much better this season. I still have hopes for him as a long-term dynasty player because he is still super young. And maybe the fit is weird right now and he still has to work on a few things. Maybe it's not on the OKC Thunder. But I still think he's a phenomenal passer. And the further we get away from the drama, if we are done with the drama off the court um, and it doesn't turn into something else. Again, I don't know. Um, but the further we do get from that, if that is the case, I think that will help him mentally just turn a corner and, and improve from this season, which has been disappointing for him and for those who drafted him. Again, in terms of the bench guys, not a lot to see here. Uh, Isaiah Joe is always someone we look for for three-point streaming. He hit two in this one. But other than that, um, nothing really to write home about. Let's talk about the Atlanta Hawks and the Chicago Bulls. The Hawks just uh, lose to the Chicago Bulls, the mighty Bulls here. The Atlanta Hawks are now uh, 12 and 18 on the season, so struggling a little bit here, and I wouldn't be surprised if there may be some moves here. The good news is that Jalen Johnson returned, and he played 29 minutes. He had 10, 9, and 4 with a steal. He was efficient from the field, so... Kind of picked up where we where we left off. Um, maybe some more defense stats will come along, but the fact that he played 29 minutes uh, in his first game back is very encouraging. And uh, I think, obviously, if he's available, go and add him immediately. And uh, it is good to have him back. With him back, we still had no DeAndre Hunter, who didn't play this game. So Sadiq Bay, you know, still had 13 points, uh, two threes, eight rebounds, a steal, 100% from the free throw line, 50% from the field. That's fine. I don't think you're going to be able to sell high. I'd be able to take any top 120 player for Sadiq Bay. Otherwise, he is probably someone that eventually will become a drop. Uh, if not already, if there's a better player out there, you can probably move on from Sadiq Bay because DeAndre Hunter is going to come back in and hurt him. And the other domino effect with Jalen Johnson returning is the fact that we basically saw, in fact, I think we saw no crossover between Clint Capella and Onyeka Okongu. 26 minutes for Capella, 21 minutes for Okongu. I think they did take the entire rotation there, except for maybe the last minute uh, of the, the center rotation. Uh, Capella, 13-5-1 with a block. Okongwu, 11-6, uh, no assists, but he had a steal, hit a three. Um, they're both kind of hurting each other a little bit, but I think we hold both, especially in category leagues and points league. You can drop Okongwu if this is going to be how it goes, uh, if there's something better out there. But in a, in a category league, for the most part, I'm holding both. In fact, I have both in industry pickup. I'm probably going to bench Okongwu for the most part if I don't need his you know efficiency and his, his rebounding, which I don't this week. So for the rest of my matchup this week, I'll be benching him. Um, but for the most part, I do think you definitely need to hold on to him. Uh, Trey Young, 21 2 and 13 and a steal, but he had six turnovers, so he was terrible. Um, no, joking aside, he was really good here and gave you exactly what you expect from Trey Young. 
And uh, Jajonte Murray, 17-6 and four, two steals and a block. He is continuing to be, I guess, um, just kind of where you drafted him. Nothing great, but nothing horrible either. Just kind of floating around where you drafted him, I think, which is fine. Um, On to the Chicago Bulls. Let's talk about the big man. And I'm wearing my Chicago Bulls um, shirt, which I did get from Christmas uh, as a present, which was very nice. But I'm representing it today because of the big man, Andre Drummond. And this is our first uh, talk about a must-add player. Andre Drummond, go and add him. We had the news today fall through that Nikola Vucevic is out. He was out today. And it looks like he's getting some scans to see where the cause of action is. So to me, reading between the lines, that means he's probably going to miss at least a number of games moving forward as a result of this. And I looked at my you know waivers and I've got a few bids on him for in, in terms of fab in, in a lot of my leagues. But weirdly enough, he's available. He's, he's picked up already in a few of my leagues. I don't know why. Um, but he can do this. He is a per-minute beast. Now, don't get it twisted. I've had a few people mention that, okay, maybe he should be playing more minutes even when Vucevic comes back. He is not that good of a player. But 24 points, 25 rebounds, three steals, two blocks, 11 of 13 from the field. He hit both of his free throws, which is incredible. Um, Monster, monster game from him. Now, he can give you elite rebounds. He's actually a very good steals player for a big man as well, efficient from the field. And he can maybe give you a block or two on night to night. So, extremely great short-term pickup. Long-term, when Vucevic is back, he's going to walk back into that job. And they're not going to trade Vucevic in order to unleash Drummond or anything like that, I do not believe. But... At the moment, absolutely must roster player across all formats. I don't care if you're not punting free throws. You go and grab this man because he can fill up the box score um, in a, a given minute. He had played 38 minutes in today's game. Now, I don't know if we can rely on that moving forward and, and have him playing 38 minutes, but they don't really have too much else to back him up unless, um, you know, they played, ta- um, what's his name? Uh, Taylor Terry? Is that his name? Anyway. He he was the backup basically the center guy and he's and he's like six foot seven so they don't really have too many bigs to back him up um so he kind of is forced into playing some decent minutes uh, Alex Caruso knock on wood he's had a few healthy games so far in the past week so uh, eleven five and five with two steals poor from the field only twenty percent but hit all his free throws so I am just happy that he's out there playing minutes and giving me some steals DeRozan has been a roller coaster this season he hit all seven of his free throws he had twenty five two and six with a steal solid two threes. Not the best efficiency, but not the worst. He's taken a step back, definitely. He's getting older, so he he's not the biggest of buy lows, I don't think, but he still has the ability to go off from time to time. 19-5-5 and five from um, Kobe White. Poor from the free-throw line, he'll be better than that. And this is sometimes what you're going to get from Kobe White. Now, he has been amazing this season. If you can get him for a top 40, maybe the right top 50 player, I probably would do it. But outside of that, I do think he has the chance to be a top 60 or top 70 player this season because he has been absolutely awesome. Uh, and uh, he kind of is the future of their team because they don't have much else of a future. Speaking of not much of a future, Patrick Williams has been decent recently, but this game he sucked. Uh, six points, one rebound, one steal, two of seven, and uh, played the 25 minutes. He's a hold if you can, but again, if there's a few hot free agents out there, I do think he is in that cut zone because his upside just isn't all that high. Uh, I'm not racing out to grab uh, Ayo Desumnu, who had 19.7 rebounds, four assists, and three steals. You can grab him in a 14 or a 16. 
team league if he's available in a 12. He's more of a stream, I believe, uh, in the most part. And uh, remember, we are getting closer to the fact that Levine will be coming back, but there's a lot to play out with this Chicago Bulls team who uh, don't really know what they're going to do when it comes to trades and things like that. We are, we are kind of guessing with all that sort of stuff. Let's talk about the Indiana Pacers and the Houston Rockets. Tyrese Halliburton, 33-6-10, had a steal, seven threes. Um, misses only free throw, which is kind of lame, but... Other than that, obviously an amazing, amazing performance. He, again, if you were on Twitter, he showed up at number two on my Dynasty rankings. I've got him one above Shea just because now Shea is having a better season in terms of fantasy this season. And I have Shea ahead of Tyrese for the rest of this season in my you know, rankings. But Tyrese is a little bit younger. And I also rely more or, or can trust the big volume threes and assists that Tyrese can provide me more so than the steals and blocks that Shea can provide me. That's what I've just done to split the hairs a little bit between the two. But I do think those two guys are clearly top three dynasty players. Uh, but that, if you did see that and we're wondering, that is the reason why I've got Tyrese ahead of Shea in dynasty and Shea ahead of Tyrese ahead in redraft, which is a weird thing to say. Um, they started Jalen Smith at power forward in this game. He... I think went to the locker room at one point, but did come back 22 minutes, 12 and eight. If he is a regular power forward starting player, you could do worse than adding him in like a 14 team league as a rebound blocks guy. He's got a friendly fantasy game, which is what tricked me into being high on him last season. And if he's going to play the minutes that Obi Toppin was playing previously, that might render him at least a back-end serviceable player for Fantasy League. So he is kind of in that maybe add zone, especially in 14 or 14 or deeper leagues uh, if you are looking for rebounds and blocks. Uh, I'm not rushing out to grab Andrew Nemhard just yet, but I'm keeping an eye on him. 11-2-6. He's not usually a big assist player because, again, you're playing next to Tyrese Halliburton. Um... So not the most um, use going through you, but the fact that they didn't play TJ uh, McConnell in this one at all means that obviously he did spend a lot of time running the game himself. And this team, as we've spoken about with McConnell before, is set up for those point guards to thrive and get a lot of assists. So he is at least on a watch list in a 16-team lag- team league. You can definitely add him. Um, and for 14s, maybe... He might be a, a speculative ad. 12s, I'm just watching at this stage. Buddy Heald, let's talk about him. He moved to the bench in this one. Still played 33 minutes. It was a close game. He had three threes, 11, 5, and 5. He went off when he went to the starting lineup after being in the bench to start the year. He was terrible on the bench before. So if he's staying in the bench, he is, again, in that droppable zone, I do believe. If there is a hot free agent out there, like we're going to talk about in the team that they versed, he is someone that you need to look at your team and decide, is he one of my worst players? Is this a guy that I can replace with something better? Sometimes that answer will be yes. Sometimes that will be no. But we need to at least ask the question. So 11-5-5 uh, five and five with three threes is fine. It's okay. But it might not always be there. And, you know, this minutes fluctuation can swing wildly game to game with, you know, players like Matherin playing 24 minutes. Um, you know, maybe they do play a bit bigger with Turner only getting 23 minutes with five fouls. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things that can go on. TJ McConnell could re-enter the, the, the rotation in this one. Uh, it's, it's really hard to pin down a rotation consistent night-to-night for the Pacers. So let's just watch Buddy Heald, and I wouldn't consider him, consider him undroppable in a lot of scenarios. 
Um, not too much else to discuss in this one. Um, Aaron Neesmith, 10-5-2. He's an okay-ish guy to have in 14-team leagues, but not all that exciting. Obi Toppin, obviously, is a drop, and I'm not getting excited about uh, Isaiah Jackson, despite having 11-8-3 blocks, 19 minutes. I do think he played more because of the foul trouble to a Miles Turner, limiting his minutes to 23. Uh, so his minutes will more than likely be closer to sort of 12-ish, uh, I do believe, and I don't think he's good enough to put up stats in that time. Talk about the Houston Rockets, and let's start by talking about one of the biggest must-ads of the day, and that is Tari Eason. Pause this video if you haven't added him yet, and he's available in your roster and your league. Go and add him right now because Dylan Brooks left this game with an oblique strain. Now, very vague. Obviously, they're going to have scans and things like that, but it does sound like he's going to miss some time here. A strained muscle, depending on the severity. Grade one, you're looking at about two weeks. Grade two, you're looking at maybe four to six weeks. Grade three, you're looking at two to three months plus. So we don't know the severity of the strain. Um, so we'll just sort of wait and see how things go. But Tari Eason had been trending up anyway, and with this news, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes into the starting lineup. They also really limited Jalen Green, who played 19 minutes. So there's a, n- a number of avenues for a player like Tari Eason to get into the starting lineup and thrive. So he is an absolute must-add player. Pause this video. Go add him. Come back. Hit play. Let's talk about the other guys. Let's talk about Amen Thompson. Now, he didn't play much. 12 minutes. But he also had seven, four, and two steals. He was efficient, three of five. And in deep leagues, and I, I will specify this as deep leagues, 16 or deeper, with Jalen Green's minutes being limited and them not trusting him, with Dylan Brooks's injury, and just with how much I believe in Thompson's talent, in a deep league, I would be taking a flyer and trying to get ahead of the curve, and I would be adding a man Thompson in 16 or deeper. You could try it in a 14. In a 12, I think it's too early. He's definitely just a watch list player because even if he goes from 12 minutes to sort of 18 to 20, it's probably still not quite enough. But he is a player that I am so, so high on, um, both the twins. Um, but a men I do have higher in my dynasty rankings. He has a higher ceiling. Now, he's full, he's a little bit behind players like Fred Van Vliet who play 39 minutes, but if we can get him up to that mid to low to mid-20s in minutes, he can have fantasy appeal for standard leagues. He's not there yet, but definitely someone to keep an eye on depending on what this Brooks injury is and uh, if they continue to limit a player like Jalen Green because I do believe that Men Thompson has a much higher ceiling than Jalen Green. He, I believe, is probably their most valuable. Maybe he and Shingun, one of the two, is their most valuable asset, basically, talent in the roster. And I do believe that at some point this season, he is going to be more, quote-unquote, unleashed. Now, to what degree is that? Is that a 30-minute a night? Probably not this season, but it is a mid-20s. That might be enough for Amen Thompson. So he's definitely someone I'm, he's on my watch list. Uh, let's talk about Shangun because he had a great, great game. He was kind of, you know, he was doing okay, but trending, trending down-ish. But more recently, he's been awesome. 30 points, 16 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 steals. But the biggest thing I want to highlight in this game here is the fact that he went 8 of 9 from the free-throw line. And this is not an isolated thing. He has been putting up some much better free-throw shooting numbers over the past few games. And uh, if he can make that a strength of his game 
that is a that's a huge game changer for Alperen Sengun because that was his biggest. Uh, if you talk about minus one rankings, that was the category that was falling off when you go to rank him. And if you're able to turn that into a strength of his, well, then you're looking at someone who we talk about someone like a Demontis Sabonis. If he if Sabonis shooting free throws then Shengun is that guy, but he's a better steals and probably a better blocks player. So this, this again, I'm talking very hypothetically. If he turns into like an 80% from the free throw line guy and continues the trajectory that he's going to be on, top 12 numbers are in his future uh, on a year-to-year basis. But if I have a look at over the last two weeks, yeah, over the last two weeks, he's averaging six and a half free throw attempts per game and he's hitting them at 84.6%. Uh, uh, for for that time on the season, he's at seventy one point three. So it's it's a little bit early for me to come out and say that he's a great free throw shooter. But on the last three games, he had nine free throw attempts today, seventeen free throw attempts the game before, and hit them at eighty two point four percent, which is great. Five uh, the game before hit all of them. Um, didn't have any the game before. Um, two six seven. Um, with uh, 100% with seven attempts on that game against Memphis. So the, the things are trending in the right direction. Now, I'm going to need a bigger sample size, but I just wanted to highlight that if that does become a strength of his, um, that is huge for his fantasy value. Definitely something for dynasty rankings we need to be taking a note of because if that does become a thing, top you know, first round value can definitely follow. Fred Van Vliet is still playing huge minutes. Uh, 18, 4, and 9, two steals and a block. He continues doing typical Fred Van Vliet things. Jabari Smith, 10 and 6. Uh, missed all five of his threes. Had a steal and a block. He still is a back end guy, but I definitely do believe he is a hold for the most part. Um, not too much else to talk about. I do think, uh, talking about Jalen Green, who we kind of glossed over, I think he's a drop. I think he's a drop everywhere, essentially. 10s, 12s. Maybe 14s, um, 10s, points, you can drop him. 12s, points, uh, I'd drop him for Tari Eason. I, I, I know I'd do that. Um, I'd drop him for, or, I mean, it would depend, right? So in a points league, he's obviously more valuable. But he is at rock bottom right now. Um, I was never a big fan of his game to begin with. So keep that in mind. I was never a guy that really loved Jalen Green and what he did, both from a real NBA point of view and a fantasy point of view. So I, I'm a bit of a skeptic when it comes to Jalen Green. And so far, I think I've been proven right. He, he's been very disappointing in this season, and I don't think it's really going to happen for him in terms of that superstar outcome. He can definitely be better than this, but when you're playing 19 minutes in a game where they only lose by six points, it's not a very good sign. He was a negative 19 for this team. Um, yeah, not, not good signs for uh, Jalen Green. Let's move along. Memphis Grizzlies got the win in overtime. One-point victory over the Pelicans, 116 to 115. And Ja Morant has played three games, and he's won three games, 31-5 and 7. One steal, two blocks. He had six turnovers. Uh, This is the Ja Morant special. Uh, Maybe the defensive stats are a little out of character, but this is what we expect from him. Now, he is a better points league guy, clearly. I think he's a first-round Yahoo points league guy, um, and he can definitely continue to do that. So treat him as such. In category leagues, his value is a little bit all over the place depending on how you view him. He's a guy who's going to give you nearly 30 points, nearly eight assists, um, close to a steal. He might get you a three. He's going to have high turnovers, um, poor free throw, decent field goal percentage. So he's useful. I think that he is, he's, he's really good. Um, so I think sometimes the rankings on Yahoo sites and nine category things undersell his value. 
I would be treating him in a category minus one setting as a top 50, more probably like a top 40 player, I believe, because of the value of his points and assists, which are just extremely hard to replicate. And on any given night, he can give you these steal and block numbers, which we know are quite variable game to game. So I think that in a minus one setting for head-to-head leagues, he should be viewed as a top 40 player. Not higher than that, not top 20, but top 40, I think is a reasonable um, place to have him. Desmond Bain, let's talk about him. Now, I've heard a few things around the place to say that Ja Morant coming back is actually going to help Desmond Bain. And he had a really good game here. 27, 4, and 7, hit five threes, no steals, but he had a block, uh, one turnover, and that's all good. 40 minutes. He's going to be good. But if you are in a league with someone who thinks that Desmond Bain is going to be better, that then now that Ja Morant is back, I would, or if you have him and you, other people are thinking that, I would be trying to sell high because I think that, that there's no way that that, from a fantasy point of view, is accurate. He is someone who is a good three-point shooter, and his efficiency might improve. He is currently averaging for the season um, 46.3% from the field. Last year, he put up uh, 47.9. So that can come up from 46, maybe closer to 48% from the field, which is great. The usage, though, I do believe has to come down. Moran's going to take more shots. That, that is, there's no way you can argue to me that I'm going to listen, really, that he's going to continue to put up as many shots as he has been um, when Morant was out. That's got to come down. Now, he had seven assists in this game, but Marcus Smart also returned. So I do believe that Desmond Bain's assists are a little bit unrealistic to expect to continue to hold. He's averaged 5.3 for the season. Last year, he averaged 4.4. That was without Marcus Smart there. So I think he's more of a four assists per game guy rather than a five and a half assists per game guy. So I think that comes down. The rest of it is all sustainable. You know, The threes, the steals, the rebounds, the efficiency, it's all good. The turnovers might come down as well uh, from 2.9. He was at 2.2 last year. So that might come down. His ranking might look better, but I think he's probably more of a top 40 player when it comes to minus one rankings. You know, similar kind of range to John Morant. They both get there very differently, but if you can get a top 25, top 20 player for Desmond Bame, 100%, I would do it because um, I just don't buy into that narrative of John Morant coming in and freeing him up, which I've heard people say and helping him. It might help them as a team, definitely. It'll help them as a team, but for him and his fantasy value and use for your fantasy team, I do believe that it is a net negative. That's a lot of talk on Desmond Bain. Jaron Jackson Jr. was okay here. Uh, No threes, but 90% from the free throw line helps. Only the one block, but solid. Marcus Smart returned, uh, like we did mention, 29 minutes in his return and five steals, if you don't mind. That is... Uh, very welcome back for Marcus Smart. If he's obviously available, you 100% go and scoop him up immediately. Uh, 40% from the field, 3, 1, and 3. That's kind of what you're expecting from uh, Marcus Smart. He can be a top 100 minus 1 player. And uh, the rest of this team, I don't know really what to do. Bismack started at center, but played 24 minutes, had two blocks and seven rebounds. But you also had 27 minutes for uh, Xavier Tillman, who had five blocks and a steal in this game. Vince uh, Williams was the guy who closed the game, 27 minutes, three blocks and a steal. He's probably the most reliable, I think, of these guys. I actually think he's probably the best when it comes to real-life value for this Grizzlies team. And I think that if I was coaching the team, he'd be the one closing at the four with Jarrett. And at the five, and that's what we saw in this game, I believe. But 
from a fantasy point of view, it's not super sexy. He's a 14-team maybe guy, 16-team definitely, but I wouldn't worry about any of those guys in a 12-team league outside of streaming uh, for the most part. Uh, the same goes for Santi Aldama, who only had the eight minutes in this game. Talking about the Pelicans, and bloody hell, Brandon Ingram had a big game. Now, he had 24, 6, and 7. He can do that all the time. But it's the three steals, four blocks that he had, which are both season highs, and he did them both in the same game. He had three steals and two blocks in the first half. If you are someone firsting me in industry pickup, count your lucky freaking stars that you got this out of him because he is not a defensive stat guy. But, you know, seven stocks in this one from Brandon Ingram. Great game. It'll probably be another 12 months before he does that ever again, if he ever does. Uh, but that was a solid one for him. Zion Williamson, 35 minutes, 23 and 11 uh, with one assist and one steal. Field goal percentage is down. Free throw percentage, three misses kind of hurts as well. So a little bit disappointed. Let's talk about Herb Jones. I've had a lot of people ask me if he's a drop. The answer is yes, absolutely in a points league. In a category league, it can still be a yes, but it depends. Do you need steals? Do you need blocks? For example, in the industry pickup league that I'm in, if Herb Jones was dropped, I, my team, I would immediately go and add him because that is what my team needs. It is often the deciding factor in a lot of my matchups. Plus, I need a small forward eligible player to back up Scotty Barnes. In my, uh, let's say, for example, if he was dropped in, what's a different league that I have? If he was dropped in my fantasy basketball uh, World Cup team where I'm punting assists and steals, then no, I would not be dropping, I'd not be adding Herb Jones and if he was on my team, I would have dropped him um, and he was dropped in that league. Someone else did pick him up but it's very team dependent. Now this is obviously a bad game. One steal, four, three and three is not good but he can still on the next game go off for three steals, two blocks, have five assists. Um, the scoring is probably not going to come back all that much but he still played 31 minutes and he managed to do that with Trey Murphy playing 35 and I think that that is now, it's an overtime game, but I still think that that kind of minute split is doable for this team. They can play those top six guys 30-ish minutes each with the rest of the lineup, Dyson Daniels, Alvarado, Najee Marshall, all being lower in minutes and just have a very top-heavy top six or seven players uh, because that's what this team is built up to be. And I don't think anyone really has to lose out from a minutes point of view. And Herb Jones is not someone that you know, gets his fantasy value with usage. He needs the minutes for the steals and blocks. Sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. So I think he'll be better than this. Slight buy low in the right circumstance, uh, but understand that it is, it's specific to what you're looking for. Um, Valanciunas, 17-13, a steal and a block. He's been way better than I thought. And obviously Larry Nance being um, not really healthy this season or maybe ever again really helps him. And I think he can continue to do this. Let's move on to the Utah Jazz and the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs lost this one. Utah, 130 to 118. Spurs, uh, Larry Markkinen, 31-12 and a steal, two assists. He was great. Um, Colin Sexton continued to put up numbers and continued to start with Jordan Clarkson and Keonta George both coming back. So that's fine, but that might very quickly change. He shot 80% from the field in this one. Let's not expect that to continue. So this is a good line, but just keep in mind that if, you know, Tari Eason or Andre Drummond even were out there on the waiver wire, I would 100% be going to add those guys. And I'd be fine dropping Colin Sexton because I do not expect this to continue as soon as these guys get back up to speed. And as soon as he doesn't shoot 80% from the field, if that's 40% from the field, 
Um, you know, he loses six points or something like that and goes down to 14, 3, and 6. And those minutes might come down as well when these guys, Keontae George and Clarkson, come up to speed a bit more. Uh, Kelly Olynyk started. He was okay, but I'm not too concerned. John Collins is a guy that is very eh at this stage. If Atari Eason was available and John Collins was realistic, your worst player, I'd be okay dropping John Collins to get Atari Eason. For the most part, I expect that he's not your worst player. And if the minutes come up, he can still be useful, but he's definitely not been the sleeper that I thought he maybe could be this season. He's just been whatever at this stage. Um, Chris Dunn, 18 minutes. Keontae George is back now. We don't need to worry about him. Keontae George, obviously, we said is back. Talked about, and I'm going to talk about the other guy later. Um, Someone asked me about Scoot versus Keontae. I think they both need to be rostered. Um, Keontae, I think, maybe has a friendlier category league game because of the fact that he can shoot the three ball a little bit more. He's not as... uh, His fantasy game might be a little bit more friendly um, just by the nature of that three ball. He's probably not as good of an assist guy as Scoot naturally is. So I think there can be similar, but he, to me, is still someone that needs to be rostered, um, especially if you can handle his deficiencies in turnovers and field goal percentage. He's not going to be a huge steals and blocks guy, um, but he can be solid, and uh, it's good to see him back. 24 minutes is a nice sort of level of uh, playing time for him to come back to. Jordan Clarkson, 24, 6, and 8. Uh, again, um, 8 of 8 for the free throw line, great. He is someone that you can add. Knowing the fact that he does have his weaknesses, he can be hot or cold any given night, but he will get shots, I believe, on this team. And Walker Kessler is still on the bench. Don't know what this Utah Jazz team is doing, but 11-7 and seven with four blocks, 50% from the field is solid. Uh, he had a three. Cool. Let's, let's, yoo-hoo, you got a three from Walker Kessler. Uh, I don't know what's going on there, but he is still someone who's been frustrating, but I do believe is a must-roster player at this stage. No one else, I believe, on this roster we do need to talk about uh, much at all. Let's talk about the San Antonio Spurs, and they also made a lineup change. Uh, Julian Champagny moved into the starting lineup. Now, he is another guy that I think you can go out and add Julian Champagne. In fact, I would, you know, we talked about Colin Sexton. I'd be willing to drop Colin Sexton to have a punt on someone like Champagne. He had 24 minutes in this game, but he also had five personal fouls. So who's to say that wouldn't have been higher? 16, 5, and 1 with two steals and a block. He's a good per-minute stat guy who we've always loved in deeper dynasty leagues. And the fact that he's getting decent minutes and moved to the starting lineup over someone uh, like a Keldon Johnson who did play, played 29 minutes. Um, so good minutes from him here. He played well, 26, 4, and 3. Um, not you know much else, steals and blocks-wise, but he was good. You know, Zach Collins uh, on the uh, on the bench here. Wemby playing a, a smaller role because they were blown out a little bit in this one. So Julian Champagne, if he was to play 28 minutes a night, he'd be a 12-team guy, must roster 100%. Now, he started the last two games. Both games played minutes in the low 20s. This game, at least the fouls were of an issue for that. But I think that I'd be prioritizing Tari Eason over him. I'm much more confident in Drummond's short-term value than a Champagne. But a Champagne might have a longer rest-of-season value than a Drummond. I'm less confident in it, but if you are looking for a player that is available in a lot of places that could have some sneaky, sneaky value for the rest of the season, then Julian Champagne is definitely that guy, and I have made some bids on him in a lot of my leagues. I'm not giving up too much fab because this Spurs team is experimenting a lot, but 
he is a really good per minute guy, um, and I would potentially be looking to add him uh, off the waiver wire. Uh, Jeremy Sohan, nineteen five and three, no steals, no blocks. It's a solid game, shot efficiently. I would much prefer if the steals and blocks were there. He is okay to have, but you don't have to go and add him if he's there. Uh, I'm more interested in Champagne, to be honest, um, than a Sohan. But again, the, the minutes, I think, should be there for the rest of the season. So in the points league, especially, you can you can have him. Dem Vassell was good in this game, 22-4-3. Not super efficient, but had five threes and three steals. That's what we like to see from him. Uh, Wemby, you know, he had a down game, but far out. A steal and five blocks and a three, you know, that's a pretty good down game if you ask me. And um, I'm not worried about his minutes or being rested or anything like that down the stretch of the season. Like, they're going to, you know, when they don't have to push him, they're not going to. But I still think he's going to be fine. And, and I stand by the fact that in 2024, he'll be a first-round player from that part of the season onwards. And I do still think that will be the case. You can go ahead and drop. Zach Collins, who returned to the bench, 17 minutes, 6-4-4 four, and four with two blocks. Two blocks is fine, but don't need to have him. And you also don't need to have Trey Jones, who is an assist and steals streamer. 26 minutes is solid, but a little bit misleading here with the um, the stat line being a bit of a blowout. Let's go to the Sacramento Kings versus the Portland Trailblazers. The Kings, not really a blowout, but in the end, the scoreline reflects a, a decent beating here from the Trailblazers, 130 to 113. Um, De'Aaron Fox, 43-8-4, two steals and a block. Great game from him. He and Sabonis, 34-12-5, were really the only ones that showed up for this game. The rest of the Kings just didn't do a whole lot. Um, of the rest of the team, Keegan Murray is the guy that I have the most confidence in, but he obviously sucked in this game, and I do think sometimes people get very excited about him. I don't know. Kings fans, Toronto fans, you guys are battling it out for, I think, the most passionate fan base I see, at least on Twitter, <laughs> for the most part, because there's a lot of you that I see on my timeline. And uh, look, I like Keegan Murray. He's okay. But I don't know. We get a bit ahead of ourselves sometimes after you have that, what do you have, 12 threes in that game, which is awesome, uh, mind you. Great game. But again, this is the flip side of it. So he, he still is a must-have guy, I do believe, but this was obviously a poor performance. The other guy that I'd really want on my roster was is Malik Monk, but the fact he only played 18 minutes in this game is a bit concerning to me. So again, if there's a guy like Tari Eason, a guy like Julian Champagne, Andre Drummond, I'd be okay, depending on what you need. If he is your worst player, I do think it's okay to move on from Malik Monk. He can be good and probably will have back-end value for the rest of the season. But... It might not continue that way. Um, they do have a lot of other guys that can fill a similar role with Duarte, uh, Herder, Harrison Barnes, uh, Vizenkov, David Mitchell. There's a few of those just guys around this team. Um, and I think Monk's the best of them, but I don't know. It's not high upside kind of stuff. Trail Blazers, let's talk about them and let's talk Scoot Henderson. The time was probably a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago, but if you haven't added Scoot Henderson and he's available in your league waiver wire, go and add him right now. 17 uh, 17 points, one rebound, 11 assists. He hit a three. He was inefficient still, six of 15, which is not a killer, but he hit all four of his three throws and only one turnover for you turnover nuts out there. I think that this was his best game from a real-life point of view by, by far. He did all of this in non-garbage time minutes. He played 28 minutes and came out, I think, with about, oh, I want to say seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. 
And I wonder if he would have gone back into the game if it was closer and if he would have closed out in a more crunch time situation. Very interesting to see if they get into that situation and the next time if he does boost those minutes up. But 28 minutes is definitely good for him and I do see the improvement coming. He's passing the eye test to me and he is looking more and more like the player that I thought he would be this season as of recently. So especially 100% in the points there. You go and add him immediately, and I do think he's a must-roster basically in all category leagues as well. There will be ups and downs still. This is not going to be just every game from now on, um, and he still has some holes in his fantasy game. Like His steals and block numbers have not been very high. Uh, the rebounds have just been average, below average at best, and the threes won't be great, and he still will be inefficient. He's a rookie at the end of the day, but... The confidence is growing. You can definitely see him getting more comfortable on the NBA court. Uh, as for the rest of this team, there was no um, DeAndre Ayton, so they started Moses Brown, who only played 14 minutes, but Joop Reith was the guy that really shone in this one. 32 points, 25-9, a steal and a block. I don't really know how long Ayton is out for, but you could stream uh, Reith in this one um, moving forward. I do think that he is a solid player. He played really well and looked really good in this game. Um, Down the list of my priorities, however. Um, Another streamer you can get is Matisse Thibel, played 26 minutes. I think he's maybe the guy that's going to lose a lot of minutes if Scoot does start to play more, as well as maybe a Malcolm Brogdon who played 29 in this game, but still 19-5 and 6. That is going to get it done enough, at least for now. Jeremy Grant, uh, not the best game. 13-2-2 with one block. The Worrying thing here is that he was actually efficient and um, the usage was just down and he wasn't really doing a whole lot. He is someone that I think is going to end up being a disappointing player uh, at the end of the fantasy seasons and um, don't really know if he's much of a buy low. Anthony Simons, 29-4-3, and three, had five threes. He didn't get to the free throw and this is the biggest thing for me with Simons is, is for him to be successful... Like a Jordan Poole, he needs to get to the free throw line and hit them at a high rate. He can hit threes, he can get you some assists and score decently, but he's a very poor rebounder. He will not block a single shot. His steals are pretty low, so he needs that free throw volume and high percentage to really be that kind of top 60, top 50 guy that I think people were hoping for him to be. Um, so we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Um, but overall, biggest message from this one here is add Scoot Henderson if he's available. The last game here, which should be finished now, um, the Charlotte Hornets versus the Clippers. The Clippers get the win in this one. We had no um, Kawhi Leonard for the Clippers, but they still managed to win. And we also shockingly had no Mark Williams, who was ruled out of this game, which the downfall tag of the Charlotte Hornets is just... Horrible, horrible, horrible malpractice, really. Miles um, Bridges, 21-11-5 with two blocks. That's pretty good. Terry Rozier, he's starting to cool off a little bit here, and that sell-high window is probably shut now. 18-4-7, he had one three, only one of eight from the three-point line, eight of 23 from the field, which is gross, and also missed two free throws and four turnovers. Not his best game. Nick Richards was solid again, 13-10-2 with a block. He is still fine to roll out there while Mark Williams is out, which, again, I don't know how long that's going to be. Gordon Hayward left this game. I think it was a calf injury. Uh, and when you talk about Gordon Hayward and calves, it does not um, it doesn't sound good. So we'll watch this one. He might miss some time with this, I do believe. So, um, you know, Miller was out of this one, so he might slot back in and take that one. They also started Bryce McGowan's in uh, Miller's place. So if they continue to do that, or maybe get PJ Washington in on the mix as well, yet to be seen. But I think the players that will benefit the most here are um, Brandon Miller 
and maybe a PJ Washington, I think, are the probably the main beneficiaries. So I do believe both of those guys are guys you want to have on your roster if they are floating around on the waiver wires out there somewhere. For the Clippers, it's it's kind of much of the same that we've been seeing recently. Not the best game from Paul George, 24-4-4, but bad efficiency. Had five threes, but no defensive stats. Uh, Zubach continues to kind of get it done. He's definitely separated himself from Daniel Tice, 18-14 and 14 with a block and a steal, uh, 7-11 from the field. Uh, Paul from the free throw line, but you'll live with that. And the rest, it's just not really useful. We, we should talk about Russell Westbrook, who played 27 minutes in this one. And I can't, was, it, was it Josh that said this? I can't remember. But someone pointed it out that when Kawhi Leonard got injured, Westbrook minutes went up. When Paul George was out a, few, a week or so ago, his minutes stayed in the low 20s. So that is really interesting, the fact that Kawhi, and I'd imagine the same thing would happen if James Harden ever went down. But Russell Westbrook's minutes has been up. He was pretty good in this one. 11, 4, 14, 11, and 6 with two steals and a block, two threes, and he was efficient from the field. That's a great line. So you can add him for the short term if you expect Kawhi to miss more time. I don't know if he's going to miss much more time from here. But in a points league, you can definitely add. In a category league, I'm a little bit hesitant to invest. I'd definitely rather go with the... Um, you know, Julian Champagne's, the Tari Eason's, the uh, Andre Drummond, I'd probably still even rather over a Russell Westbrook. Those kind of players I'd be prioritizing ahead of him. But if he's there for a short-term ad, if we get news that Leonard's going to miss some more time, then he can definitely have some value. The rest of this team, is, it's, just, it's just crap, really. Um, you know, Norm Powell can sometimes be a streamer, but he was pretty bad in this one, um, and the usage wasn't all that high. So I'd probably think there's a lot of better options out there for the most part. So, uh, yeah, that will do it for that game. Well, that will uh, that will do it for all the games as well there, guys. So a lot of must-add players and a lot of drops, I do believe, out there. Uh, let me know down in the comments section below, what did you get for Christmas? Let me know how your Christmas was and uh, if you're doing anything exciting for New Year's Eve and uh, how your fantasy is going. Drop your fantasy comments and questions down below as well. And uh, make sure if you did enjoy this one, give it a big old thumbs up over on the YouTube. Hit subscribe. Give us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify and subscribe over there. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.